the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Indeed it is, nine minutes after ten o'clock as hour number two gets underway on this Friday, the 28th morning of the 12th month of the year of our Lord, 2018. What was said back in the year of our Lord, 2009, by Chuck Schumer, the author of the current government shutdown? Any successful, comprehensive immigration reform bill must recognize this fact. Any immigration solution must recognize that we must do as much as we can to gain control of our borders as soon as possible. But we also need to set the record straight. The American people need to know that because of our efforts in Congress, our border is far more secure today than it was when we began debating comprehensive reform in 2005. Between 2005 and 2009, a vast amount of progress has been made on our borders and ports of entry. The progress includes 9,000 new Border Patrol field agents in the last four years, Construction of a 630-mile border fence, or 630 miles of border fence. A what? Border Patrol field, aid, field agents in the last four years. Construction of a 630-mile border fence. Or a 630 what? Mi- <laughs> 2009, he was bragging that Congress approved the funds for a border barrier to help cut down the flow of illegal immigrants who were decimating the lives of American citizens here. He castigated people for calling them undocumented immigrants instead of what they are, which is illegal aliens. That's Chuck Schumer, just nine years ago, the man now authoring a shutdown of the federal government, a partial shutdown anyway, because he hates Donald Trump. He absolutely does not feel differently today than he did then. He knows we need a border barrier now, just like we started building one then. It's just about stopping Donald Trump. 
Peter Kersenow joins us now for analysis on AM 1420. The answer, Peter, a Cleveland attorney. Peter, a member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights, a noted and celebrated author, and the host of the Kersenow Report, which you hear weekly here on, well, daily, but he does a new one once a week on AM 1420. The answer, Pete, good morning. Good morning, Bob. Feeling dangerous. <laughs> I bet you are. Uh, Pete, hope you had a Merry Christmas, and I hope you have a very happy New Year, and I'm glad you came in today since we, of course, d- uh, did not have you on on our regular day Tuesday because of the holiday. All right, Pete, let's dive in. Uh, you know, I mean, this, this is, uh, what, day seven of the shutdown. Uh, the Democrats continue to call it a Trump shutdown, in large part because he told them it was okay to do so uh, back when he met with Chuck and Nancy. But I disagree with that character or their, that assessment rather now because uh, the Republican House came through for the president. You got the Republican House ready to go president says i'll sign and it is the democrats who are obstructing so to me this is a schumer shutdown but listen to the man just nine years ago pete he was exactly what donald trump is today in terms of the rhetoric on the illegal border crossings on our southern border did we lose pete yeah i'm here i'm sorry oh. i'm sorry about yeah, okay, I, yeah, I heard that, and, um, you know, I would tell you a couple things. First is, uh, as you know, I've been involved in the immigration debate for a long time. I've been testifying up on Capitol Hill before Senate Subcommittee on Immigration and the National Interest Senate Judiciary Committee, you name it. Um, there are a couple things. Number one is you're exactly right that I think part of this is driven by the left's just uh, almost insane hatred of Donald Trump, but it's also, I think, they have recalibrated the politics of this, that Democrats now believe that they've got to advocate for open borders to satisfy their more radical, and remember, the parts of the Democratic Party have shifted radically to the left, even more so than uh, just from a few years ago. I think they've got to mollify their base, and they also think that uh, having open borders grows their constituency, so they're opposed to it. And they've staked out a position now, and I don't think they can they can backtrack. But, uh, you know, if it weren't for uh, this kind of hypocrisy, you wouldn't really have any policy positions from a Chuck Schumer or a Nancy Pelosi. I think that the shutdown is is something that is long overdue. And by that, I mean, yes, we've had shutdowns in the past, but they've lasted for a millisecond before Republicans capitulate. Uh, and, you know, I've written, I know others have written about the consequences of shutdowns, and almost every time there's a shutdown, and every single time the media does play, blame Republicans, regardless of what the impetus of it was. But Republicans for a long time have been just scared to death of the prospect of a shutdown. You may remember how when Ted Cruz was blamed for the Obamacare shutdown that uh, Republicans excoriated him for it. I mean, the establishment Republicans, uh, that they had, uh, Cruz had somehow imperiled their majority. It was ridiculous. And then what happened approximately 10 months later is Republicans gained some of their greatest gains in history in the House and Senate. They took home took over both. At a state level, they got enormous gains. Apparently, the shutdown didn't have any uh, effect. But I think for such a long time, we've been hearing about government shutdown, government shutdown, government shutdown, because Congress has not performed its constitutional duty. They're just simply passing a series of CRs. It's ridiculous. But every single time we've heard about this, it's been cast as if it is Armageddon. There's going to be some great cataclysm that afflicts the American people, and everyone's been acting accordingly. But a couple of things have happened. One is Donald Trump. And number two is, I think the media has gone so hysterical that people have discounted every time they start pulling out their hair. And now we've had a fairly long shutdown by recent historical standards. 
And most people in flyover country don't feel a thing. Some of that may be due to the holidays, but I'm here to tell you, I've always believed that except for the narrow interests within the Beltway and the media, most Americans functionally perfectly well with this mischaracterization of a shutdown anyway, as, as you know, and I know you talked about the fact that, you know, 80% of the government remains funding funded. Most Americans don't uh, experience anything whatsoever, and at the end of the shutdown, what happens? The furloughed government employees always get back pay, so there's no harm, no foul. Well, few inconsistencies, a few few inconveniences here and there. I don't want to completely diminish it, but I yeah, think- that, that that part is important because you know you're right, Pete. On, on, a, on a large scale, it doesn't affect the American people, but the four hundred, five hundred thousand, or whatever it is, federal workers who are without paychecks for that time. You know, they do have it. They do have issues, you know, especially if they are paycheck to paycheck. They got to pay their utility bills. They got to pay their car payments. They got to pay insurance. And when they don't, then they get little ticks against them on their credit ratings. And, uh, you know, even if they get their back pay later, you know, a few months down the road, uh, you know, it's, it still hurts them. So I, I, I certainly don't want to be one that's insensitive to their, their suffering over, you know, Congress not being able to get their act together. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And, you know, I know a lot of federal employees who fall within. Heck, I've, I've, some of them work for me, actually, sure. <laughs> the Civil Rights Commission. So I'm very, very concerned about that. But you know what? I, I will tell you, the ones that I've talked to, and again, I don't want to paint a broad brush. They get it. They've been through this before. Some of them, the responsible ones, have put a little bit away in, in anticipation of the usual shutdown politics. And uh, they realize that they're on a furlough. Uh, they are going to get back pay at the end of the day. Again, don't mean to diminish any of this. I'm glad I'm not involved in it whatsoever, but there's a broader principle and issue at play here, and it's not just the border wall. It's the whole issue of what is the proper role the federal government has it grown way too big, which is a, a big yes, and what I think it's it's got kind of a hygienic and educational effect here that we see a government shutdown and most of America doesn't even blink. And I think Donald Trump and Republicans have got to get control of this hysteria related to shutdowns. Hold firm on this. There's a bigger issue here than the uh, inconveniences, uh, and I don't want to belittle them, of thousands of federal workers. There's a bigger issue at play. It's national sovereignty, national security, rule of law. We need a border wall. Now, whether or not we get one, that's another issue. That's a whole big issue here. But uh, I think that Donald Trump needs to stand firm as long as he possibly can. And I would say that's until somebody caves, and meaning the other side caves. Peter Kirsten now joining us. And uh, that's the real problem here is I don't think, uh, do you believe, uh, Pete, that with 2020 looming, that either side is going to cave? If Chuck Schumer gives Donald Trump a nickel for his border wall, Trump then gets to in 2020 say, see, I told you I'm the great deal maker. I got the Democrats to cough up the money for our wall, which is well underway. Uh, and, and that kills the Democrats. And likewise, if Donald Trump doesn't get anything, if, if he has to cave and signs a CR, uh, that does not include funding for the wall, then what happens? Now, how's he going to get one voter who wore that red hat in 2016 and has worn it for four years to keep wearing it in 2020 with promises? I guarantee I'll get it in my second term. Nobody's going to believe him. Yeah. Um, it depends on the definition of cave. As you know, in Washington, D.C., they engage in euphemisms all over the place. Donald Trump, maybe a little bit less than most. But nonetheless, I think that 
this thing will be resolved in a way that won't be a complete capitulation by one side or the other. They'll engage in euphemisms. You know, you've already seen that the wall has turned into a barrier or a fence or steel slats. All I know is I want something. I don't want a fence. I don't want some ridiculous thing that people can scale within 15 seconds. But I want an uh, a relatively impenetrable barrier uh, that will actually protect our sovereignty, uh, whether that's steel slats or something else. I like the idea of a wall. I really do. And I think that really was something that sold much of the American public on Donald Trump in, in terms of voting for him uh, back in 2016. They're tired of hearing about these euphemistic terms like fences. They know drones aren't going to do a thing. That's after the fact. Uh, so I think there'll be some euphemism employed. There'll be some combination of fence, wall, slats. But I think Donald Trump is going to insist upon something that is an effective barrier. Number two is, I think, uh, with respect to this shutdown and who caves first, again, euphemism or, or use the term uh, cave, um, Democrats, I think, are, there's less at stake for them peculiarly in, in many respects. Uh, but at the same time, they need, the, their constituents, the, the furloughed government employees, 95% of them are Democrats. Those are their constituents. Republicans aren't hurt as much by a government shutdown in terms of their paychecks. You're talking about a lot of the Beltway folks and folks out in the hinterlands. Fewer, fewer of them are Democrats, but a significantly overwhelming percentage of those currently on furlough are Democrats. Clearly within the Beltway, that is almost all, without exception, Democrats. So the Democrats have a lot at stake with respect to the shutdown also, and then with respect to the politics of this. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that, frankly, Trump has more to lose if he capitulates as opposed to Schumer. If Schumer capitulates, people are going to be upset. Pelosi is going to get another uh, you know, hit to her reputation, even though I'm not sure how many more she can, ta can take. But Donald Trump said forthrightly, and he ran on the proposition that we're going to get a border wall. Uh, I think the politics of holding firm favor him because I think most Americans, even those set aside the antipathy toward Donald Trump by some Americans, I think Americans get the idea that some barrier is necessary. Our immigration process is broken. And I think Donald Trump, what could help him, and I'm not in the business of giving political advice, I don't know the first thing about it, but it would help if he, instead of tweeted, actually had an address, whether it's from the Oval Office or elsewhere, where he goes through point by point all the issues about drugs, national security, crime, the cost, the infrastructure burdens affiliated with or associated with illegal immigration. We've got to get this done. And he can use what, Donald, what uh, Ronald Reagan did, use these vignettes where he points to certain individuals who have been specifically harmed, not just vagaries with respect to billions and billions and billions of dollars that are expended with respect to infrastructure costs, welfare costs, uh, uh, law enforcement costs, etc. I was going to say, including the dead, including the dead uh, police officer in, right, uh, in exactly. California that, that was that uh, killed by an illegal immigrant yesterday. Exactly right, Bob. I mean, that is, and I don't mean to use, you know, be, be so cynical as to use that, but that's very poignant. Uh, you have got, you can 
find perhaps no greater contrast between the benefits of legal immigration versus illegal immigration. Here's a guy who comes from, I think it was from Fiji or somewhere. He does everything he's supposed to do. Many of us who've got immigrants in our families, they were just so overjoyed and they followed the process. They, they dotted the I's, crossed the T's, did everything they were supposed to do, stood in line, and they are just kissing the ground when they get here. Yeah. And he was like that. And then you have somebody who comes over illegally, doesn't have any kind of a, 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 there's no incentive for him. And in fact, so much of our society encourages him to have an attitude where it is one of separation from America and it's blame America first at all times. And right. there's an entitlement mentality. Pete, so I, that's I, something he could address. I want to I want to get our time out here. I only have a couple of minutes on the backside for you, so let's get out now and get our traffic. Peter Kirsten out for just a couple more minutes next on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Eighty-eight. All right, ten twenty-seven. I got three minutes left with Peter Kirsten out to uh, discuss a couple more aspects of this. Pete, a second migrant died. Uh, a child died uh, in about a week and a half, two weeks. A seven-year-old Guatemalan girl before now, an eight-year-old Guatemalan boy. News story today. Parents of the eight-year-old migrant essentially admitted they brought their child with them for easy with them for easier U.S. entry. They know that whenever there are kids involved, the uh, uh, rules are relaxed a little bit, and they give them an opportunity. Now this child is dead after spiking a fever and throwing up and doing some other things, despite the best medical care that Border Patrol and the hospitals nearby could possibly provide. The child died. The left says this is Donald Trump's policies killing migrant kids, and Kirsten Nielsen, the Homeland Security Secretary, needs to resign. Pete, why don't they mention the 18 migrants who died in identical circumstances from 2012 to 2015 when Barack Obama was president and not a single word made it to the media? Because, shut up, they explained. Uh, look, it's only a problem if Donald Trump has done it. Feel bad for everybody who dies, a poor child, you know, no fault of, of that child. But the fact that we've got this magnet is the chief driver of people deciding to come here, bringing their children with them in in these dangerous circumstances. If we had a wall, an impenetrable wall, that would completely shut off the incentive for people to make the dangerous journey to come here. Um, but aside from, and, and as bad as it is that this child died, and everybody who who every child who dies going through this kind of process. The ancillary issue that we've got is we have got a, uh, a crisis on the border of diseases that were eradicated in this country for decades, and now we're seeing them spring up all over the United States. There is a public health issue at play that goes beyond uh, the unfortunate and tragic death of one child here and one child there. But if you shut off the incentive, if you make it such that coming here is not going to be easy and allow various migrants, uh, illegal immigrants, bringing their children because the process incentivizes them to do so, I think that will, that's the best uh, uh, mechanism by which we could terminate the deaths of children coming across the border. Peter Kirsten now with some analysis for us. Yeah, it is tragic, and uh, and it's tragic to have to use these kinds of things as evidence. But but it is what it is. Like I said, evidence of the of the magnet as you talk about the border 
or excuse me, the uh, parents of this particular child, the mother admitted that dad took the child with him because he knew it would be easier to get through the border, and that's because of policies that liberals have set forth when it comes to uh, illegal immigration and coming across that border. Yes, and I hate to be graphic and disgusting about it, but yes, there is blood on the hands of those who continue to encourage this dangerous activity that is taking the lives of these innocent kids who are coming through no fault or decision of their own. That's where we'll have to leave it for this time, Pete. Next year, I will talk to you about the ongoing government shutdown. It will still be continuing the next time we talk after the uh, flipping of the calendar on Tuesday. I wish you a very happy new year, my friend. Happy new year, Bob. 46 days to pitchers and catchers. That's my man. Count on you. Thank you, Pete. Appreciate it. Uh, coming up uh, after the bottom of the hour news, which is now, we're going to talk about 2018. And I've got for you the top 10 leftist ideas most worthy of mockery and derision from the year gone by. Front page magazine story. It's a tremendous interview coming up next right here on AM 1420. The Ten thirty-six, rolling onward. I count twenty-four minutes of outstanding awesome left for you this morning. Then we're going to get into Mike Gallagher and his version of awesome. Then Prager Medved, secular elder, and I'll stop there. I uh, really appreciate you being a part of the show today. Great stuff with Congressman Jim Renacci. Really great stuff with Peter Kirsten. Now, now I told you about this story earlier on. Uh, this is just fun. I love year-end uh, kind of uh, retrospectives as well as 2019 things to preview, but this is a great one. Uh, 2018 leftist ideas, most worthy mockery and derision. An embarrassment of riches from which to choose, writes uh, the author for Front Page Magazine, Karen Cataline, who joins us now at AM 1420, the answer to run down the top ten. Karen, good morning. Thanks for joining us. How are you? Good morning, Bob. Happy to be with you. Happy New Year to you, by the way. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. It's still Christmas to me until we get into 2019. It's just how I roll. Okay. (laughs) So appreciate you being here. All right. So let's start. First of all, uh, your bio says you are Columbia University trained social worker. It sounds like you're a wild-eyed liberal to me. You went to Columbia and you're a social worker, and I'm just going to throw justice in there because it seems like it should be, and yet you're not. You are uh, you are more Bob, conservative-minded than uh, than uh, than not. And uh, how'd you manage that? How'd you escape Columbia with uh, your worse. senses intact? It gets worse. I'm female. I'm Jewish, <laughs> and I used to live in New York City. And I went to Columbia <laughs> School of Social Work at about the same time Obama was supposed to have been there. Uh, I did. So. I, I did not recognize your Judaism, so apologies. Happy belated Hanukkah to you, by the by. So I wanted to throw that not in there too. A problem. I don't offend easily. So well, that Not well, that problem. well. How did you do it? I mean, okay, a, a female Jewish New Yorker who went to Columbia <laughs> and works in yeah. social work. So I mean, how did you escape liberalism for crying out loud? It's called being an independent thinker. Uh, more people <laughs> on the left ought to try it. Oh, so, I completely uh, agree. Yeah, that's that's why I like to. I'm always fascinated. Now, I never was a liberal. Um, I came from a mixed marriage. My father was a Republican and my mother was a Democrat. Oh, my. But uh, I I think I love looking at cult psychology because I really do think there's a cult on the left. And once you can get somebody to ask that first question, to question something, which, as you know, 
is very endemic to Jewish culture, except when it comes to politics. We won't go there. Um, Then one question always leads to another. And so I'm always interested to see how we can get people to start getting in their right mind. And, of course, we have a lot of Republicans who need to be in their right mind, too. So, uh, you know, it's it's fun stuff. And uh, I offered at my own expense to go to Columbia School of Social Work, my alma mater, and asked uh, and told them how it is great for our clients. I don't practice anymore. I do a lot of talk radio uh, for to support people's right to free will, right to self-determination, which they used to teach, uh, and that it isn't such a contradiction. But you know what? They never took me up on the offer. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Karen, Catalina is, is, Karen Catalina is my guest uh, this morning on AM 1420, The Answer, and uh, what a great story. We're talking about, or uh, we're going to get into now, rather, uh, this uh, mm-hmm. fantastic article for Front Page Magazine at frontpagemag.com, 2018 Leftist Ideas Most Worthy of Mockery and Derision. And truly, it's yeoman's work to do what you did, to pare this down to 10. I mean, honestly, you could have written a 50, you know, a, an article similarly with, with 50 items, and you got it down to the yep. top 10. So the, it was, was it hard to, to keep this within the word count you were tasked with? You know what? I just thought of the first 10 that I could think of, and I knew that not only could I do an hour on each of these, and I only wrote a short paragraph, but there's at least 50 more. You're absolutely right. These are so ridiculous. And yet, we have to remember that they're purposeful. They have strategy behind them. And uh, it does worry me that Republicans never think as strategically often as Democrats who, who think of this as, you know, a marathon, not a sprint. They're planning these decades in advance. So when they come up with something that just makes us strat- scratch our head and say, oh, well, how could anybody believe that? Well, there's a lot of leftist hangers-on that actually do, and so we have to counter it with every fiber of our being. And I'm thinking about the next follow-up to this piece about how to do that, but the first thing to do is to keep your sense of humor and to laugh and to mock liberally. <laughs> well, you know what? That's that's you're you're so right, and I guess that's why this particular article, when I read it yesterday, struck me enough to reach out to you because it made me laugh. Because the opposite of that is to look at all of this insanity coming from the left and to get angry. And I do that enough, and I don't want to be a yeah. POS. A POS is what I call perpetually yeah. outraged of society, and that's what the left uh-huh. has a you know as the market cornered on the outrage. They are per- perpetually yeah. outraged members of society. I call them POSs, and I don't want to be one of those. The the alternative to that is to laugh at them, and that's what this article made me do. So let's get to this top 10, Karen. Number 10, uh, the number 10 uh, liberal nonsensible notion of 2018, gender fluidity. (laughs) Go ahead. Yeah, well, uh, the left has suddenly, relatively recently, uh, made an attack on the basic biology of X and Y chromosomes. Uh, first, they they tell you you're a climate denier if you don't believe a load of nonsense about climate change, but now they don't believe that X and Y chromosomes exist. They, they do so much uh, shifting and hypocritical up and downing, you can't even keep track. First, there's no difference between men and women. Then they hate men, which I talk about later, toxic masculinity. Then you can't misappropriate culture, but you can misappropriate someone else's gender. I mean, these people are confused out of their minds, truly. Not Uh, only do they not... 
not only do they not recognize masculinity and femininity femininity as uh, determined by your chromosomes, and you're right, they call us science deniers, but they're the ones that they also think that you can transfer back and forth between the two at the drop of a hat. You can either be non-binary or be one one day and the other another day. And I'm looking at a story, and I'm just going to interrupt our, 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 our top ten or your top ten to share this story that I literally saw within the, con, uh, the, the uh, confines of this program today, about an hour ago. A transgender woman, meaning I guess it's a guy who thinks he's a girl, serving a 10-year prison sentence in Illinois for burglary, has been moved from a men's to a woman's prison in a rare accommodation by state prison authorities because he slash she could not find a way to be comfortable in the men's prison. So now there is a male, an anatomical male, going to an all-female prison to serve a 10-year prison sentence. What could possibly go wrong? Oh, nothing, nothing. Same way as women... (laughs) Uh, 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 gender transitioned women, whatever you want to call them, uh, in beauty pageants, in sporting events. Yes. Uh, it, it is, it is so insane. <laughs> I would encourage your listeners <clears throat> to pay attention to how much more it is celebrated that men transition to women than the reverse. And there's purpose to that too, as I point out later, which is, that the left likes men as long as they're gay or transgender or drag queens. They don't like straight white men because, and we'll just jump ahead real quick, straight white men, uh, which they refer to as toxic masculinity, are a threat to socialism. That's what's really going on here, and we got to call it by its name. That's very well said. We're talking to Karen Catalina, wrote this piece for FrontPageMag.com. Uh, the top ten a list of things, uh, liberal nonsensible notions from 20, 2018. So ten is gender fluidity. And number eight, as you just pointed out, is toxic masculinity. We skipped over nine, which is criticism of the media is an attack on the First Amendment. What? I, I thought the First <laughs> Amendment protected free speech. And it, just as yeah. there is a freedom of the press, we are free to criticize said press. Yeah, and somehow the press, which is perpetrating propaganda right and left, say that fast five times, uh, is not allowed to be criticized. Somehow you're, you're hurting the Second Amendment if you criticize us. I mean, anybody who believes this is obviously a liberal, but how ridiculous is that? You must mock that for its stupidity. And if you don't, uh, people that roll over for these ridiculous ideas... Um, they're ushering in the next crazy, insane policy, like allowing uh, a transgender woman into a women's prison and women into uh, men into women's bathrooms. I mean, right? I, you know, I got plenty of op-eds to write in 2019 <laughs> to flesh out some of these ideas as to how do we fight back. Well, the first thing we do, as I say, is mock and use our humor and laugh. Then. We gotta, you know, we gotta, you know, strengthen ourselves for this cultural fight because uh, this is where you're, all the policies right. come from. 
It, yeah. You're right. We do. And it's, I, I totally agree with you. the fact that we have to find some humor in it. We have to laugh at it a little bit before it drives us crazy, but we also cannot accept it. The one of the longest, in fact, it yeah. might be the longest paragraph of the 10 that you wrote. Uh, these 10 items is the next one, number seven, which is white privilege. And this one, of course, is very touchy for a lot of people. Uh, uh, g- give us a thumbnail sketch of the, uh, of the insanity of the white privilege argument in 2018. Well, one of the things left does so well, and as a social worker, I see it constantly, is this projection. So while they are claiming a ridiculous moral high ground about how we're all racist because they're smarter and they get to decide who is and isn't a racist, they get to hate an entire group of people because of the color of their skin while they've been preaching to the rest of us that we're all racist. Uh, They are marvelous at collectivizing hatred for political purpose. Uh, It is deadly dangerous, and I do say in the paragraph that one of the ways we can start, because I'm always thinking about, well, what can we do to counter this and argue it, is to quote Martin Luther King, since they don't agree with him anymore, Uh, which is uh, to judge people by the content of their character instead of the color of their skin. They don't believe that anymore. No, they they don't. No, yeah, that is exactly right. It, it really, quite frankly, and I don't want to overgeneralize here, but but clearly conservative white people uh, quote Martin Luther King far more often than African Americans who, who joined him in the civil rights fight to in 2018. We're the ones who yeah. say, wait a second, we're not judging you based on this color of your skin, please. Yeah. Why are you judging us on the color of ours? Why do you assume we have everything so easy, that we all have great jobs, we all have great educations, and so on and so forth, because we're white? It is the very definition of racism, no matter what side that it comes from. Uh, we got to pick the pace yeah. up a little bit. Let's go to number six, anti-fascist fascist. To me, that's that's a class. Oh, we got a drum roll going there. Thank you, Samuel. Uh, anti-fascist fascist. Go ahead. Uh, uh, people who use fascist tactics by branding their opposition as fascist. It's, you know, they get to get a pass on that because if you call anyone you don't like a fascist, then you get to break up their town and use violence. And uh, it's it's insanity. we got to call it out. Yep. I can do an hour on each of these, as I said. So, and that's what Antifa does. Antifa practices yep. more fascist tendencies than any fascist organization or any organization that they did, they brand uh, and and protest because of fascism. Number five, stripping for equality. Oh, I, I got to stop. I got to let the drum roll play before I say these. I'm just not used to that. But good. thank you, Sammy, for hitting that though. Uh, uh, but yeah, stripping for equality. Why are women taking off all their clothes to protest being objectified as sex objects? Uh, because they're confused, uh, because <laughs> they supposedly want to desensitize us from being objectified. You would think that this would kind of expose our biological differences, but as I say in the piece, that's not really what they have in mind. And since nope. they don't really care about being hypocritical, you know, it doesn't matter to them. They're going to tell you you're just not sophisticated and cool enough to understand. Karen, Cat- Karen Catalina is our guest. Top 10 uh, mock- uh, liberal ideas and adva- notions that they've advanced in 2018 worth our mockery. Number four, safe, safe drug, drug injection, injection sites. sites. Yes, there we go. Yeah. I like that. In stereo, even better. That This is one of the most <laughs> hilarious ones to me. Let's find a safe place to do something that can kill you. Hey, that's a fantastic idea, leftists. Deadly, deadly dangerous, patterned after something they're doing in Vancouver, which is destroying the city, and unfortunately, Colorado uh, was lost in the last 
uh, midterm elections. I'm a native of Denver, uh, and I watch Colorado, and I, I'm based in northern Colorado, and this is coming to a town near you. It is probably coming to Denver as the first, quote, safe drug inte- injection site. Take a beautiful city and destroy it. That's and this is something we absolutely have to f- not just laugh at, but fight back against uh, in 2019. Terrible. No question about it. Uh, number three. Yeah. Victim feminism. I am woman. Hear me roar. Has been turned into I am woman. Hear me whine. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite ones. Uh, I, well, I've been writing a lot on the Me Too movement. In fact, I'm working on a book about it and, and that and other things. And it is a fascinating thing to see the left try to turn an entire 50% of the population into a victim group voting block. That's what's going on. So because it doesn't serve them anymore to call them, you know, hear me roar, I'm invincible, I can be a Navy SEAL if I want, now they're pathetic and being shoved into the gilded cage again. And uh, it is ridiculous indeed. we got two more we have to get to quickly. Number two. Intersectionality, which is try to convince a black civil rights activist that he should care as much about the environment and gay marriage as he does about race, and it allows feminists to be able to advocate for men using women's bathrooms. You know, just take leave of your senses and be an intersectional feminist. Very well said. Yeah, intersectionality, Timmy, I, I did a whole segment on that uh, about a week or two ago, and it is really, really dangerous because it is the movement. And in fact, I think this is what uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is calling for is a government run by intersectionality, uh, which is really, really troubling. And then the last one, number one on the list. The P.H. Derivative which is the politics of if and oats. If you don't agree with any of these stupid ideas, you're a homophobe, you're a, you're a racist, you're a xenophobe. Um, this Sexist, too, elitist, yeah, uh, virtually all of them. Any protected class in the categories of the intersectionality uh, that we were just talking about. Yeah. If you disagree with any of these things, you are an ist or an obe, and that is how they keep you in line. Nobody wants to be yeah. called an ist. Nobody wants to be called an obe, so we'll just keep ourselves quiet and let this nonsense happen. That is what they you try to it. do. It's a great yeah. list, uh, Karen. Uh, Karen Cataline, author and commentator. Uh, this was a great piece on Front Page Mag. I just tweeted it out during our conversation, so make sure you read that and Thank share you. that with friends uh, that uh, that you may have. Karen, really enjoyed the conversation. A very happy New Year to you, and we'll talk to you again down the line. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Bob. You got Take it. Care. Thank you. It's 1053. We're late for our last traffic. We'll get there now on AM 1420, The Answer. Thought.com. This story wasn't on the list that we just did uh, with our uh, our author and commentator subject, but um, it could have been because this is one of the most asinine stories of 2018, and it just took place at the end of it. From National Review, a student at the University of Missouri was found to be in violation of Title IX, in part because he asked another student out on a date. And he's physically larger than her. According to a document about the case, the male student was deemed to have violated civil rights laws and was guilty of sexual harassment because he asked a female student out on a date that she didn't want to go on. Why? 
because he's bigger than she is. And his physical size means he is in a position of authority over her. He was perceived as having power over her, and therefore to ask someone who is an underling or someone who is subservient to you uh, out on a date is sexual harassment under the laws of Title IX. I wish to God in heaven above that I could find a way to express how utterly screwed we are as a society. But I can't find a way to do that, at least not and keep our license here uh, on AM 1420, The Answer. Now men are not allowed to ask women out for dates because it's sexual harassment if they're bigger than they are. Spoiler alert, men on average are much bigger than women. So no man is ever allowed to ask a woman out on a date because if she rejects him, she can claim he was sexually harassing me because he's bigger than me. This is reality. This happened. This is not an onion story. This is truth. This is what happened. It's unclear from the documentation what kind of punishment the student received for his violation, but the fact that they deemed he did commit a violation is enough to show us that our society is absolutely screwed. Donnie in Euclid, I've got 45 seconds. They're yours. Go right ahead, sir. I just wanted to let you know that if, if as if that isn't bad enough, I just heard a news piece that the uh, New Year's Eve celebration in New York is going to be politicized by by having a theme of protection of the media. Protection of the media is going to be a theme at the New Year's Eve celebration in Times Square? Yes. Wow. I did not hear. Okay. I, I, where, 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 well, I, it doesn't matter where you heard it because the chances are it's fake news. <laughs> no, 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 no. This was on, this was on our favorite uh, uh, network. It wasn't on one of those. Uh, okay. Okay, well, you know, I'm going to have to look into it, because if that is the case, Happy New Year, Donnie. Thank you, my friend. Uh, if that is the case, my goodness gracious, uh, then I know what I'm not going to be watching on New Year's Eve. All right, that's all the time that we've got. Guess what? Uh, this is our last live show of the year, because uh, we are not going to be on live on uh, New Year's Eve on December 31st. We will have a best of the Bob France Authority on Monday the 31st, as well as on Tuesday, January 1st. The next time we will speak to one another live will be on Wednesday, January 2nd. Mike Gallagher's next. We'll see you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.